0: Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are uh, present here with us. Uh, we thank you that you uh, love us so dearly. We thank you for uh, the power that you uh, bestow upon us in Christ. We thank you that we are seated uh, with your Son in the heavenly realms. And Father, as we continue uh, studying the book of Ephesians and talk about our identity, we pray, uh, God, that you would build into us uh, who we really are. Uh, God, that we would begin to get this uh, more than ever before. And that we not only get this, we would really begin to live who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you hear me out there? It just sounds really quiet to me, but you can? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right, uh, we are continuing in the uh, book of Ephesians. We haven't gotten very far yet. We've uh, covered the first three verses, but uh, uh, we're talking, this whole book really is a book uh, that tells us we're richer than we think, if you know the old Scotiabank ad, right? You know, they walk in and they have more money than they think, but uh, we are far richer spiritually than we could ever, ever imagine, uh, we saw that the Bible says, uh, Ephesians says that um, we have every blessing in the heavenly realms. Not just some, but we are blessed in every single way in the heavenly realms through Christ. We have seen that we are saints. That our identity has been transformed from sinner to saint. That we are no longer to look at ourselves in tombs of who we are as sinners. Now we do sin, but our identity is now saints. Saints. We are holy and blameless. We are saints who sometimes sin. Uh, the Bible uses the word saints in that we are holy over and over and over again. The idea of us being sinners is only found a couple times in the New Testament. Now, we do sin, but we are primarily saints. We also learn that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, in this, this other dimension that we cannot see, that right now, even though you are seated here, you are also in the heavenly realms, seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Right now, you're seated at the right hand of God in Christ. And with that comes all kinds of authority that we have as Christians over the enemy and over darkness. Uh, We are in Christ. This book is a whole book about identity. This book talks over and over and over again about who you really are. Identity is incredibly important for us as Christians. Uh, It is as important as the Trinity, as, you know, faith alone, as, as some of these core doctrines, knowing who we are in Christ is that important. And the sad thing is, is many Christians, even though they've walked with Christ a long time, still do not know who they are in Christ. Because they still live as immature orphans, and they do not understand who they are in Jesus. And so this book is super important for us as a church because it's going to actually help us rise up and live into who we really are. That is, saints who are seated with Christ. And today we're going to learn that we are children of God. Now, do you know who you are? If someone asks you, who are you spiritually or who are you as a person? Do you really know who you are? Because there's all kinds of things in this world and in our hearts that will fight to take place in our lives as where we get our identity from. And here's just a few things. Uh, We can get our identity from what I own, wear, and possess. That is, who I am is based on what I own. That if I have lots of things, I just feel better about myself. I feel more complete. I feel like I have more power if I have lots of things. Because really, who I am is based on my stuff. Or if I just wear the right clothes, if I have the right possessions, then I just feel like I have power. I feel like I'm really doing well in this life because you base your identity on the things you own. And shopping malls and internet shopping become little temples where people go and worship, trying to find out who they are. But we can never have enough. You go shop, you feel empty again after a while. I mean, basing who you are on what you own, wear, or possess is a really horrible way to live. Yet our culture is based on that. You'll just be more happy, you'll be more complete, you'll really be who you are. If you just have the right things, if you just have enough money, Uh, we can base our identity on what we do. And sometimes we can wrap our identity up when it comes to our career. That I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a carpenter. Uh, You know, I'm this person because this is what I do. But what happens if you lose your job? What happens if you're injured and can't do what you used to do? Does that mean you lose your personhood? Does it mean you lose your identity? I mean, some people just completely fall apart when they cannot any longer do what they've been trained to do because their identity is so wrapped up in what they do. Uh, Some people wrap their identity up, and I struggle with this, in in their to-do list. They're they're doers, and I'm a doer, and, and it can become such a part of your identity that whether you feel good about your day or bad about your day is not based on Jesus, but it's based on how much you accomplished. If you get everything done in your to-do list, you're like, man, I feel great. I'm so complete. I'm just so satisfied because I just did everything. And you get interruptions. You can't do everything. You just feel horrible. I'm a pathetic person. Your identity goes down the tube because really, you are basing who you are on your to-do list. You are more than your to-do list. You are far more than your career. It is a horrible way uh, to, base, uh, to base your identity on. Uh, A lot of people base their identity based on what others think about them, that they need to make sure they're always picture perfect before they go out the door because, you know, if someone looks at them and their hair is out of place or they got the wrong clothes or just act the wrong way, uh, their identity is so wrapped in what they look like or what others think. If someone doesn't show love to them, they're depressed because, you know, I I get my identity and my worth from what others think about me. If someone doesn't include me, if someone doesn't phone me up, if someone doesn't, you know, come alongside me the way that I want them to come alongside me, you're just a mess. You lose who you are because you've totally based your identity on what other people think rather than what God thinks. You can base your identity on your dreams. A lot of people live completely their identities wrapped up if I just found a husband, if I just found a wife, if I just found a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I could just get the right job. Man, if one day I could just win the lottery or just have enough money or I could finally pay off, then I would really be living. Then I'd really be complete. Then I'd really be satisfied. And they just live in this dream world. It's great to have dreams, but if you base your identity on your dreams, what happens if they never come true? What if they're never fulfilled in the way you want to be fulfilled? Does that mean that you've just, you're lost as a person? Does that mean you can never be complete and fulfilled and happy? It's a horrible way to ground your life based on your dreams. Uh, some people's identity is wrapped up in their suffering. They've, they've suffered so long in their marriage. they suffered in their financial world. They've suffered physically or emotionally that they've just become that. They walk around miserable because I'm miserable and I am, my situation is miserable and I have cancer and they just identify I'm just, I'm a horrible person, I'm suffering, I don't have any, and their identity is totally right. You are more than your suffering. I mean, you may have cancer, but you're not ca- cancer. You may be divorced, but that doesn't define you. Your marriage may be in trouble, but that doesn't have to, to, to lead you or your identity. You can rise above that if you figure out that you need to place your identity in Christ. Now, the problem with a pacing, uh, putting our identity in anything other than Jesus, there's a few things that will happen. First of all, if these things don't come through, you will see yourself as a failure. And there's a lot of people who walk, including Christians, who just walk this life as if they're just failures. I can't do anything right. No, everything falls apart. You know, I just can't make people happy, and, and I'm a horrible person, and God doesn't really love me, and I know I know he says he does, but I don't really believe that, in, because they couldn't make enough money, because they couldn't get the job they wanted, because they never got the husband they wanted to have, or the marriage, or the financial, because their identity is wrapped in so many places and didn't come through, well, it's my fault. I am a failure. Others blame other people. I guess pride is an issue. When, whenever someone begins to touch on your identity and mess with your false identity, pride will rel- raise up and you will just want to blame people. The reason I'm not fulfilled is because of you. It's because of you, husband, you, wife. It's because of you, my kids. You're not following me the way I want. It's because of the church. It's because of my business. It's because of my mom. It's because of my dad. It's because you didn't help me out in the way you should have. You didn't care for me. And you're just miserable, pathetic, blaming. You see yourself as a failure. Your identity is crushed because you've been placing and building your identity on the wrong things. Or you blame God. God, I thought you were going to make my dreams come through. I thought, God, you were going to fill my bank account. And really what you're saying, I thought, God, you were going to fulfill my idols. That you were going to fill up my false identity. God is not here to fill up your false identity or your false idols. He's here to crush them so you will finally learn to surrender and place your identity in Jesus and really live as a mature, full Christian who walks the high road in life instead of degrading to the ways of this world I mean are there things in your life right now that you see yourself as a failure over or are you constantly just kind of denying anything of your own you're just blaming others for or you're blaming God for probably at the heart of those issues is something that you're trying to place your identity in, trying to find fulfillment, completeness. You're trying to find life, and it's just never going to come through for you. And so you and I have a choice. We can keep living like this, or we can stop and actually begin to listen to what the book of Ephesians says, place our identity in Jesus, and live the way we are supposed to as children of God. So with that, let's jump into our text. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We've talked about this, but do you sense this? A little test here, how you're doing on identity. Picture yourself before God right now. How, what, what's the feeling in your heart? Do you feel this holiness, this blamelessness before God? Or do you just feel all this condemnation and, and you're, you just do all these mistakes and everything? And yeah, we do mess up. But if you understand your identity, you realize that because of Jesus, not because of your goodness, because of Jesus, you're holy and blameless as you stand before him. You're saint. That must be a core belief of your heart. Then it says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So first of all, it says that he chose us and he predestined us even before the creation of this world. And both of this, these words have the idea of uh, you're wanted. You are a wanted person. You are a chosen person. Now, if you're a, theo- a, a theological person, you realize that this leads into all kinds of controversy. Uh, we could talk about Arminianism and Calvinism and Open Theism and Molinism and Sublapsarian and Superlapsarian and Interlapsarian and Antilapsarianism. And we could just have this big debate here and we got people in all those positions here, but that's not really the, the point of what we're talking about today. The point is you are wanted by God, Amen. that He actually chose you. And sometimes we just got to let that really settle into our hearts that I am a wanted and chosen person person. Imagine how thrilled you would be if, you know, your favorite movie star or rock musician phoned you up and said, you know, I want to go to lunch with you. You'd be like, yeah, but I mean, we're talking about the God of the universe. He looks at you and says, I really, really want you. I chose you. I've predestined you even before the creation of the world, even before you did anything. I chose you and wanted you. And the Bible says, even before, uh, while we're still enemies, that Christ actually died for us. And he didn't choose us because we're like, you know, I have to. Uh, it's like maybe in elementary school, as I remember, we used to play baseball at lunchtime. And, uh, and so they'd always, the, the two most popular kids would always be the team captains, and everybody would line up, and they would pick one by one. And I was usually the last one picked uh, when it came to baseball, and uh, sometimes you kind of feel like, you know, well, maybe God just picked me because I was like the leftovers or something. Or, you know, he picked everybody else. He's like, well, I guess I got to pick you too. Some of you might believe that. God just loves me because he's love. Uh, God just, you know, pick me because, you know, know, whatever. But look what Colossians says. That we are God's chosen people and we are, again, holy. We're holy because of Christ. And dearly, loved you're holy and you're dearly loved by God Uh, first Thessalonians says we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you that he chose you because he loves you and he wanted you and he chooses you Uh, first Peter 2 9 says we are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then it says, We are God's special possession. Now, again, identity check. Do you see yourself as God's special possession? You get to stop, picture yourself before God. What is going through your heart? What is going through your mind? Do you come into his presence, realize that you are God's special possession? I mean, this is just how good Jesus is. I mean, some of you just do not believe this book because you can't say, well, Jesus can't be that good. He is that good. That you are a holy, blameless saint. You are chosen. You are wanted. You come into his presence, and you are his special possession. I don't know if you've ever read uh, this book, She Is Mine, by Stephanie Fast. It's it's, uh, worth reading, but she uh, was an orphan, she, uh, uh, her mom was a, a Korean after, this, after, after the Korean War, uh, had an affair with um, an American soldier. So she was kind of a mixed race baby. And in that culture, uh, that was just a horrible thing. A lot of actually mothers would kill their children, uh, those who had affairs with American soldiers because uh, they were just ostracized, these mixed race babies. Stephanie Vast, her mom tried to keep her, but eventually it was too hard and left uh, Stephanie Fast to the streets where uh, she just had a horrible life, was abused. But around the age of nine, she found her way into an orphanage. And, uh, a- and she was very skinny, uh, had boils and pus over her body and had worms in her body. Uh, she talks about just how of an ugly, scrawny kid she was at nine years old in this orphanage. And then one day this American couple comes in who's going to abo- adopt a little baby boy. And of course, everybody in the orphanage is excited about you know one of the little baby boys is going to be adopted. And so this American couple went around and picked up every little baby boy. And and then something clicks in this American couple. Something changed. It was probably God at work. But this American couple goes over to Stephanie Fast, and he places his big hand on her head, and she's she's so afraid of being touched, she spits in his face. But you know what he said? says these words I want this one this one is going to be mine and she gets brought back to North America and she's written a book and she's a wonderful Christian lady Uh, but this is God I mean even in our wretchedness in our miserableness and and the fact that we don't have everything together God comes to us and says I want you You are going to be my special possession. You are my chosen child. You are now, because of my son, going to be holy and blameless. And you are going to be my child. And this is what Ephesians talks about, that we are actually uh, adopted. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption, to sonship, or to be a daughter. He actually adopts you. I mean, maybe you didn't grow up in the best family, didn't have the best mom or dad, or your family's just a mess like a lot of families are, but the perfect father comes along and says, I, I want you. I want you to be part of my family. I'm going to adopt you as my son and daughter, not because he has to, but actually says because of his pleasure and will, and it was his pleasure to come up to you and say, I want you. That you're my chosen one. And he brings us into his family and all over the scriptures is talk about us being children of God. It's another one of those key words. Remember, we're saints. We're in Christ. And another one of the key words that describes who we are is children of God. You must, must, must see yourself as a dearly loved child of God. John 1 says, To all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Because it is an incredible privilege to be a child of the king of this universe. First John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. I mean, do you believe this? This is what you are if you are in Christ. He says it again, dear friends. Now we are children of God. Ephesians 5, 1 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly Loved children. you got to walk with this. you got to believe this. That your special possession, holy and dearly loved, chosen. You are a child of God because it helps you to walk the way Christ wants you to walk. Ephesians 8 is filled with these kinds of words. Those who are led, uh, Romans 8, sorry. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. I mean some of you live in fear. Uh, you're like a fearful slave in God's presence. That's not what you are. You are not to be a fearful slave, but you're adopted son and daughter. And by him we cry abba, father, which is kind of it is a word that means like daddy. It's a, it's a word of intimacy. You have intimacy with the God of this universe because you're his kid. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I mean, you just stop and think about all the inheritance that Christ has in this universe because he is God's son. We're God's children as well. We are actually co-heirs with Christ. The Bible talks a lot about the inheritance we have in Jesus. We are seated with Christ at the right hand of the God. There's all this privilege and, and blessedness that we have as God's children. And we need to walk in this. And the problem in the church is there is way too much orphan thinking rather than son and daughter thinking. There's a lot of people who are still wandering their Christian life thinking they don't really have a home, they don't really have a place, they don't really know where to find satisfaction, they don't really know where to find fulfillment. They still think they somehow got to earn God's love through what they do. They see God as distant and maybe kind of angry, and they just, they just don't have this right. And therefore they live very immature Christian lives. They treat others immaturely, they treat themselves immaturely. It, it's hard on the church, it's hard on others And we need to grow up and actually start living like a son and daughter of the king. And we're just going to go, as we finish up, just a whole bunch of different things comparing, because all of of us will have this some in different ways in our lives, the difference between orphan thinking and thinking as we should as a son and daughter. And uh, these are in your bulletin. You may want to take these home and just really process these these we Go through them slowly and begin to, to pick out those things where you have orphan thinking. Because if you can begin conquering the orphan thinking in your life, our mission of loving Jesus and loving people is just going begin to begin to flourish. So first of all, orphans view God as a taskmaster. God is kind of this big angry father up there who just gives you stuff to do and you better do it else he's not going to really love you. So they're subtly, even without realizing, always just doing all these things, trying to earn God's love because he's a task master. Sons and daughters view God as a father. They understand Hebrews 4 that says you can boldly come into the throne room of grace because he is your dad. I mean, we, we fear God. We respect him. But he's a loving father. We can just go in there and love on God because I am a son. I am a special possession. And what is your view of God? You see him as some taskmaster. Or do you see him as he is, a loving father who loves you. Uh, Orphans are independent. They, uh, they stray from community. They love to kind of, you know, I'm going to handle things on my own. I can do things on my own uh, because, uh, you know, i got to look really impressive in front of God so i got to do lots of things to make Him earn my love. I don't really need other people. They live very independent lives. Uh, sons and daughters are interdependent. They realize that they are full in Christ, that they are accepted in Christ. Therefore, they can hang out with other people. They allow themselves to be hurt by other people. They allow themselves to be known. They allow themselves to be loved. They allow themselves to be able to share what they're struggling with. They can ask for help because they're absolutely full in Christ. As a son and daughter, they can lean on other p- and actually be a blessing to their community rather than this isolated person who just sucks life from everybody. Uh, you have a home. We have brothers and sisters. We are called to live in community. And as hard as living in community is sometimes, it really does fill your soul. It really does fill your soul. We are called to be interdependent in our Christian lives. Theology. Orphans lived based on a theology of law. They are very big on do's and don'ts, black and white, they're very, uh, they, they separate from other groups very easily. If you don't fit in my little theological box of rules, sorry, I'm not going to talk to you very much. Maybe at one time you were in that box, but now you kind of offended them a little bit, so now they keep you on the outside. They don't talk to you much. They're very black and white. They are like Pharisees. They get their life from their rules. Their life and relationship with God is all about laws laws. If I'm carrying all the laws, then I feel good about my relationship with God. If I fail, I feel bad because really it's not through Jesus, it's through the law. And Jesus put away the law, we live in grace. I mean, Galatians 5 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love for God, love for people. Sons and daughters live based on the theology of love. Jesus said a new command I give you. To love one another as I have loved you. And that's not really a new command, because that command was in the Old Testament. But Jesus just raised the bar, because now the law of love and the law of Christ is higher than the Old Testament law. And we are now to live by the law of love. Now, this includes obeying God and following God and all those things. But we just love people. Whether they agree with us or not, in their inner box or not, I mean, we lavish love. And you can tell a son or a daughter very quickly. You can tell those people who are just walking in love. And you can tell those people who are just walking in law. They're always, you know, degrading people, calling this out and pulling this person down. I mean, they're very, this person and I are not going to hang out or talk to anymore because they feel like an orphan. They don't feel like they have a home in the love and law uh, of Christ. Another one is Approval. Orphan need, needs lots of approval from others to help them feel secure. Again, they base who they are based on what others think. So they need lots of thanks. They always need people to, to call them and to phone them and to, to include them because they get all their life from other people. Someone doesn't like them. Someone ticks them off. If someone says, you know, I'm kind of upset with you or you offended me, they just, they just, they just fall apart because they feel they don't have a home in God. They haven't learned that they are totally accepted in Jesus. And therefore, whether people like them or not or invite them in or not or call them or not, they're they're still totally accepted. Instead of being a suck of other people, they just bless other people because they're full of Jesus. Uh, Sons and daughters live out of the Father's approval. They just walk that I'm approved by God. I'm accepted by God. I'm full of God. And so the arrows that people throw at you, they hurt sometimes, but you rise above them. You live on the high road. You don't degrade to orphan living and gossip and pull back, and I'm not going to talk to you anymore, and I don't feel included, and why didn't you care for me? I mean, that's just, that's just complete orphan thinking, and we need to grow up. Service. Uh, orphans serve from a motivation of trying to receive approvals from others and God. Their main basis for serving in the church, serving other people, is like, maybe if I just serve enough, God's going to be more happy with me. Maybe if I just serve enough, then maybe God will actually just bless me. Maybe he won't be mad at me. And so it's all just trying to gain God's approval. You need to grow up. God already approves of you in Christ. Some people do it out of, I just need to get other people's attention. I need to do this, and I hope everybody sees because really my sense of identity is really based on everybody thinking I'm a really busy person. I do a lot of things, and I'm always there, and I do a lot. That's a crappy way to live. Uh, sons and daughters serve a motive just of Thanksgiving relationship. You know, I'm so happy to be a follower of you, God. I'm so happy to be part of your family. I want to be doing what you're doing. And you go out and you serve full of a motivation of love and you're able to serve whether people appreciate you or not, whether people respond to you or not. You're able to serve knowing that every time you serve that you're just walking in this approval from God. I mean, why do you serve? When people do not appreciate you, say thanks to you, do you fall apart? Do you get angry? That's orphan thinking. Do you serve just trying to get God's attention, trying to make Him love you more? That is orphan thinking, and you need to grow up. Uh, Spiritual disciplines like prayer, uh, coming to church, silence, solitude, fasting, reading the Bible. Uh, Orphans engage in spiritual disciplines trying to seek God's approval. Maybe if I just pray enough, read the Bible enough, go to church enough, then maybe I can really come into God's presence. Maybe if I just just spend lots of time in prayer, then maybe, then just maybe God is going to really look on me with love. That's just orphan thinking. We don't pray, read the Bible, trying to earn, you know, some sort of love or affection from God. He loves you as his child. Sons and daughters engage in spiritual disciplines out of love and delight. You know, I love my dad. I just want to spend time with him. Because if you love your dad, you just naturally want to spend time w- with, with your dad that you love. And, and I know our earthly dads are all messed up, and some of yours are more messed up than others, but our heavenly dad is perfect. And we open up this Bible, we pray, we come to church, because we're like, yeah, I want to spend time with each other, but I, I just want to spend time with God because I love him. And it makes us a lot more meaningful. If you do spiritual disciplines trying to earn something from God, you will just get miserable. You get frustrated. You'll put it aside. It's about relationship. Uh, Obedience. Orphans obey because they are trying to be accepted by God and are afraid of his wrath. Maybe if I just do everything right, again, they're very usually legalistic, law-based. If I just do everything right, then maybe God will accept me. Then maybe I'll just have a, you know, God will be more pleased with me. Uh, Maybe I won't, you know, have, you know, this discipline, this wrath fall on me. I mean, is that why you obey? Because you don't think God accepts you? Because you're afraid of his wrath? That is orphan thinking. Again, you need to understand you're a special possession. You're a child of God. You are a saint through Christ. Sons and daughters obey out of love and a desire to be like their dad. And we'll talk more about this when we get to Ephesians 5, but it says that we are dearly loved children and we're called to be imitators of God. That I obey God because he's perfect and he knows best. And and I want to be just like my dad because my dad is the best person in this world. Uh, Self-image. Orphans possess an attitude of rejection. Uh, They're always... You know, I just can't do anything right. You know, God God didn't give me any gifts, and nobody loves me, and nobody likes me, and, you know, no one's caring for me, and everything's falling apart. I mean, just everything is just kind of a downer rejection uh, because they base who they are on what others think or what they have or just their failings. Sons and daughters possess an attitude of acceptance. They're just like, I'm accepted by God. (laughs) I'm loved by God. And the difference is a, an orphan, a son and daughter will walk out through life full. They're accepted. They're loved. And so if someone doesn't love them back or accept them back or do something in the way they want, they're still full because their identity is solely placed in God. If you find yourself falling apart, falling into rejection and failure when you mess up or if someone says you've messed up, you're an orphan and you need to grow up. We are to walk full in Son and daughtership. Uh, comfort. Uh, orphans seek comfort in busyness, addictions, escapism, and are still left feeling empty. Because an orphan doesn't know they have a home, a place, see with Christ, they don't know where to go for comfort. They don't know where to go to just really sit down and just be full again. They run to addictions. They run to escapisms. Uh, I'll just go... You know, watch TV for the whole day. Maybe they i not feel better, and they still don't feel better. They go on a shopping spree. They just check out of life. They, re- they respond in anger to situations. They, just, they can't find comfort anywhere because they're an orphan. You will not find your comfort in this world. You're a child of God. You find comfort in Christ. Sons and daughters seek comfort in the Father's presence. Because in His presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. more here. Relationships. Orphans relate to others out of competition, rivalry, and all these things, by the way, you notice I don't have Bible verses with these, and you're like, oh, where's the Bible verses. All of this stuff we're going to flesh out in this book, this is all stuff from Ephesians, by the way, and this is kind of an overview of some of the stuff we're going to be going through as we work on our identity. Orphans relate to others out of competition, rivalry, and jealousy. Because they base who they are on what others think, Because they base who they are based on what they do, they always need to be better. They can never be wrong. They always need to be on top because if someone, if you're not on top, then your identity is less than you think it should be. If I make a mistake, then my identity, and I don't feel complete anymore, and so they're jealous of people. Why has that person gotten better gifts than I do? Why didn't God make me like that? Why does that person have a husband and wife like that and I don't have a, why does that person make that much money and they're just always jealous because they have their identity in the wrong place. They're, they're, they're competitive. They've got to argue everything to death and they've got to win because after all, if I win, I feel better about myself and I'm back to my false identity and you try to hold that together through every argument and if someone doesn't agree with you, push them away because they're a threat to your identity. So it's like, that is orphan thinking. Grow up Start living as a son and daughter. Realize that you're already accepted, and you're a son and daughter, and you can actually relate to others with humility, unity, and honor because you're a child of God, because you're already full. Who cares if you're wrong? You're right in Christ. Who cares if someone doesn't accept you? I mean, you got to walk the higher road as someone in Christ because of your identity. Uh, Others' faults. This is a big one. Orphans enjoy highlighting and exposing others' faults while denying their own. Because their identity is built up in what others think, or their to-do list, or their pride, they hate admitting mistakes. Again, they love to blame. It's always someone else's fault. You point something out, they might just take it because they don't want to look bad in front of others, but inside they're angry, they're bitter, they push those people away because someone threatened their stupid false identity as an orphan. Uh, they love to gossip about others. Because if they see someone else mess up, they pull them down, all of a sudden they feel better. They're kind of pulling themselves back to their false identity of I have it all together. Look how great I am in the sight of God and the sight of others. If they see an issue, uh, they love to tell as many people as possible. Uh, they love pulling others down because it just makes them feel better. They, they tend to be gossipers as the Bible says, and we're gonna talk about that. And that is just, that's just orphan thinking. And we're talking about expressing the truth in love. We need to talk about that in Ephesians, but this idea of gossip—just secretly being happy that someone else has failed—immature, orphan thinking. Sons and daughters—they just walk in humility, patience, and love. And you can pick them out pretty easily in conversation. You, just, you know, when you're talking to someone, they're just always gossiping, telling you about other people's problems and everything they're frustrated with, and everybody else's is, is fault. You just got to go orphan. They can't say that. You pray for them, though. You know, this person is walking the low road of the world. They need to grow up and realize who they are in Jesus. Uh, Authority. Orphans resent and fear submitting to any authority, church leadership, family authority, governments, or work. They They just naturally fear it. They don't want that because their identity is housed in I know best. No one else knows as good as me. I have it all together. At least I think I should have it all together because that's where my identity is. And so they just, they secretly rebel against any authority. Uh, we are called to honor authority. Sons and daughters are respectful and honorable towards legitimate authority. You know why? Because they know they're secure in the king. They know they're accepted by Jesus. They, they, know, they know how to honor Dad. And therefore, they know how to honor church leadership and and honor governments and and, and all those kinds. They just walk in honor because they know what it's like to live in honor as a son and daughter. Uh, Criticism. Orphans respond with anger and resentment. Man, you try to point out one of their faults, you try to lightly bring up an issue in their life, or you confront them, they just get resentful and angry. Because all of a sudden, you just poke their identity. And all of a sudden, man, when someone pokes your false identity, it just, it just rattles you because that's who you are. And that's just orphan thinking. Sons and daughters receive it humbly, knowing they may have faults they can't see. Now, I get people coming up to me sometimes, you know, Jesse, you know, I like to talk to you about this. And they point out sometimes like, wow, I didn't really realize that. But I walk with it. And I love them. And I walk humbly because I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm not perfect, but I know I'm a saint. I know I'm a child of God, and you just, you just walk humbly with it. I mean, to think that you don't have faults or that you're above people, you know, criticizing you, is just stupid. That's it's immature orphan thinking. Uh, we need to be able to receive criticism. We'll talk more about that later in this book. All right, God's presence. Uh, orphans see God as distant, but sons and daughters see the Father as presence. Present. He will never leave me nor forsake me, So wherever I am in the most difficult situation, I am full, accepted, loved, dearly loved in Christ. And so, you know, wherever you are, you can walk as a son and a daughter. Wherever you walk, you can walk the high road. Okay, I think this is the last one here. Orphans live like they have no place in terms of your position. They don't know where their real home is so they run. Is it found in things and shopping? Is it found in addictions and alcohol? Is it found in, you know, trying to have the perfect, and everybody love me? Is it found in working hard and having my to-do list? That they just have, they have no home. They have no place. They don't really know where they fit. Sons and daughters live like they are seated with Christ. They know where they are. In every situation, we as sons and daughters are in the heavenly realm, seated with Christ at the right hand of God. That's where you are, even right now. I don't care what you're going through. You are seated with Christ. You are a holy and dearly loved child. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he calls you to live in that identity. And to sum up some of the verses we've talked about, we've learned, hey, that in Christ, in love, I'm blessed. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm favored. I'm redeemed. And you're forgiven. And next week, we're going to continue on talking about identity. And so this week, if you have time, take out that bulletin insert. If you didn't get one, maybe Rondo will post it on the Internet. But begin working through that. Begin pointing out those areas where you're uh, thinking like an orphan. Because I tell you, and and I've really been growing this over the last year and a bit. I tell you, it's just radically changed my life. And you can walk entirely differently differently in your relationships, in your marriage, in church, if you just learn about who you are and you begin to grow up, put away your orphan thinking, and actually walk the high road that Christ calls us to walk on. And with that, we're going to finish with communion. I'll call the worship team up. And in many ways, uh, communion is a reminder of who we are. I mean, maybe you didn't grow up in the best home Uh, Maybe your family didn't do a lot of dinners together, but this table is God the Father saying, I want you in my house. I want you at my dinner table. I want you so much because you are holy and dearly loved. And as you come up here this morning, come up here as a child of God. Come up here as someone who is holy and dearly loved. Maybe as you're way up, just begin repenting of your orphan thinking. Just say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for thinking like an orphan. I'm sorry for not believing you and who I am. Help me to walk in the way you've called me. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is Cup is the sign of the new covenant sealed by my blood. Take this in remembrance of me. Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. And so come proclaiming the Lord's death. Come proclaiming that you are a son and daughter of the King.